That's the Sounder, 5 a.m. Wednesday, middle of the week. Or as the kids are calling it, winning Wednesday. That's the Spirit Weekday today. Oh, my gosh. That's right. Super Bowl week, big game week, championship week. This is the Run It Back show on 610 Sports Radio with myself, Dusty Likens, and my good friend, Pete Sweeney. Pete Sweeney, floor's yours. Well, Dusty, good morning. Good day to be a Kansas Cityan. Good day to be a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs as we draw nearer to Super Bowl 55. Kansas City Chiefs take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, AFC champion versus the NFC champion. That happens Sunday at 5.30 p.m. So as we count down here, that's just four short days away. I told you earlier in the week it felt like this was one of the slower weeks where we were wondering when. Sunday is finally going to get here. We've we've reached the middle of the week now. There was a lot of Chiefs commentary, Chiefs sound yesterday. I tallied it up, 11 hours of the Chiefs talking. So we have everybody's take in every which way on this game, and, and now we, we will hear from players and coaches for two more days. Uh, Friday is a quieter day, and that serves as the calm before the storm of what is this championship game we've been building toward for the last six months. Big day. I feel like this is, I get it. You call it the hump day. You call it the, you know, the winning Wednesday or whatever it is for everybody out there. This is, I feel like the day that finally gets people like, okay, Monday's gone. Tuesday's gone. We've seen guys talk. We've had their opening night at, at, at media night or media day. And now we're here. Now it's Wednesday. And tomorrow, obviously, being Thursday. And then Friday, it's just is going to be a blur. The whole city's going to be painted red. Right. Everybody's ready to go. Everybody's got everything it's, they need. Friday's one of those days when I think in Kansas City, it, it, it's one of those exciting days where like it's almost like the day before vacation, where it sort of feels like happy hour at work for the entire day. Right. And you're like, when is four or five going to come so we can go out and, and have a good time? And you wish that were the case. You wish it was uh, another year and we still have to be a little bit safe. But at least there's something really, really exciting going on this weekend and a grand payoff on Sunday with Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, it's just also, it just feels like, you know, it just feels like when it gets to Friday, there's going to be a lot of people, um, you know, out there that are just, you know, either going to take a half day Going to get everything prepared for everything. Get the wings ready. Yeah, because you know you're not cooking Sunday. Nobody's cooking Sunday. It's going to be 12 degrees. That's the high. you're smoking something, it's got to be properly marinated. Right. And speaking of smoking something. I ain't even know who that was, man. I ain't going to lie to you. But if this is the taco that you're talking about, like I said, I don't don't too much care about it. You know, they got got to figure that out. And I'm going to play some great football this weekend. Okay, so this is where we start Wednesday's show, the Run It Back show here on 610 Sports Radio with Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens, myself. Uh, Pete, this is kind of starting to give me the inclination or the feeling that this is now officially like a prize fight. Right. And I didn't think we'd get here. I didn't think that we would get to this point, but it feels like this is when you always see like a buildup for a UFC fight, whether it's McGregor versus Diaz or whether it's, you know, whoever is in the main event. It seems like 
the regular season was your preliminaries. Now you've had your your big, you know, your secondary big matches in the AFC and NFC Championship game, and now you have both guys sitting at the at the table. The title belt is in front of the champion, and the challenger is just doing a whole lot of talking. And the reason that might be for me personally is because you're hearing what people are saying about the Chiefs on Tampa Bay's side. You're you're getting kind of this, I don't know if it's this, you know, type of unnecessary jabs, but you would always hear this when it comes to prize fights. Like maybe it would be like even Muhammad Ali, even though he would win most of his fights, there's just unnecessary comments that are being made. Or I guess what the kids would say, shade being thrown in unnecessary situations. And now it feels like you have obviously the best of the NFC and you have the best of the AFC chiefs being the champions, wearing their sunglasses with their title belt in front of them, (laughs) sitting back with all the sponsorships and everything like that. Obviously the favorite in Vegas. And you know, the chiefs sit back because when you get comments like that from Jason Pierre, Paul, who have to give you free fire, like they're not even going to make you pay for it. And then this is how the champions respond? Uh, yeah, I had someone send it to me, and honestly, I, <laughs> I don't really care what his opinion is on anything. Like, it's, it's uh, you know, every, every week that I've played in this league, I've never gone to the game thinking, hey, I wonder what this guy thinks of me. I don't care at all. It makes no, no difference to me. I'm just going out there to do my job. That's how a champion responds to a low-key underscore smack talk comment from Jason Pierre-Paul. And this is where we're at on a Wednesday is that I think with the Super Bowl and with prize fights to give the analogy is you've always seen how like they get the fight set up. Oh, where's the fight at? It's in Vegas. Oh, what's the venue? MGM Grand. Oh, what's all this about? Okay. And then all of a sudden somebody says something and that's what starts it. I'm not saying that these comments by Jason Pierre Paul are what started it. We'll get into another comment by another clown um, who's oblivious to the what? situation that they're in. But, hey, man, you got to set the stage, right? You got you to gotta make your bull you, takes. You got to, like... But the thing is, is that it's like, why do this? Like, why are you trying to do this to a team that kicked your ass for one full half and then literally, not figuratively, literally took their foot off the gas pedal in the entire second half, and then you're going to be like... Well, that's how we changed our season around. That's how it became a game. We decided to come change our offense. No, it became a game because the team you played beat your ass so bad in the first half that in the second half, they just went away, put their head back in their shell, and they kind of peeked their head under the curtain and were like, yeah, we're good. And that's where we're at with Kansas City and Tampa Bay is that the prize fight has officially started. It's in Tampa Bay. It's at 530 on Sunday. And the Chiefs are just sitting back and be like, hey, man, if this is how you want to try to win the fight, that's fine, but we're not biting. Yeah, Mike Remmers, as you mentioned, had the perfect response to JPP and saying he he heard the comments and he just simply does not care what he has to say at all. He's never walked into a game and worried about what his opponent thinks of him. And he's overlooking it in a sense. And I think what that does is that takes away the power of any comment you could possibly make. And that's what the champions should do. They let their play talk on the field and you'd mentioned Muhammad Ali before. And I think Muhammad Ali is, is the grand outlier in the history of like what you would say 
prize fights. Muhammad Ali, for a lot of his career, would talk the talk and he would back it up. I think since then, a lot of these guys that you watch, whether it be UFC or boxing, the guy that's usually talking the most stands, in my mind, typically to get punched in the mouth. And always it, it it is seeming at least a little bit as you take in some of these comments across the board that I think the Bucks are, are doing a lot of the talking the talk and they've run through the NFC. But as we were talking before the show, Dusty, I mean, they really haven't seen a machine, a team like the Chiefs. No, and I don't think anybody has. And there is a great Mike Tyson quote where everybody's tough until they get hit in the blank face. And I think that's where we're at. And it's like, you know, Pete, my, my dad even raised me on this. I, I, was, I was always told, you know, be humble. You don't know what someone else's talent level is until you get on the field with them. And this is why it's almost even just, it's just stupid that, this is their strategy. And, like, the best way, I guess, to knock somebody down is to go at them with the word of mouth. And if you can't beat them on the field, you try like hell to beat them off the field. And it continued. And yesterday I tweeted this out saying, this seemed to work the first time referring to this audio. What type of different uh, approach are you going to take into this game knowing full well that you saw Tyreek that first time? Well, I'm going to bring the same mentality. You know, I'm going to always be myself. Uh, and it didn't work out the first game as far as what we did and our game plan, but we've corrected it, and uh, we got a great game plan going in, And I'm, but I'm going in with the same mentality, and that's to dominate. So just look out Sunday. Just look out Sunday. Car- Carlton Davis, of course, who got torched. Carlton Davis had a really good chance to really, really set the stage of what he's going to do and he said he's going to go in there with the same mentality. Let's go back and tell you exactly what Carlton Davis did last time. Fell on his face, gave up two touchdowns, 206 yards, seven catches, seven targets to Tyreek Hill. A guy in which Scotty Miller said he's faster than, where Tyreek Hill runs a 4-2. Scotty Miller, you don't run a 4-2. Why even start there? That's where it all starts. I'm faster than Tyreek Hill. And what's Tyreek Hill do? Oh, yeah, you know, that's good. You know, I don't know if I am fast. Him takes the humble route where we know Tyreek Hill can flash a microphone anytime he wants. He's done it before. And then the most subtle kind of thing Tyreek Hill says, maybe we should have a halftime race. And then you get Carlton Davis coming out here who on national television in front of everybody got absolutely burnt by Tyreek Hill. And he says, I'm going to go out with the same mentality. Look out Sunday. Let me know how that works for you. Yeah, I, I think probably the route you go in that scenario after allowing 203 yards in the first quarter is maybe you just say, I, I got back to the drawing board and I'm going to play my best game. I, I wouldn't be necessarily saying look out Sunday in a sense that to me is a guarantee. And I just think there's a stark difference between how the Bucks are talking when these things come up and how the Chiefs are talking. And Bashad Breeland was the perfect example when he was asked about the dynasty and what the Chiefs are trying to build here in Kansas City. I feel like the the, the rubbing of a dynasty formula started when we, when everybody decided to come together here uh, last year, uh, the year before them by them just missing the 
the win in the uh, AFC Championship uh, the the previous year before we got here. Uh, you, you you can already see it was forming. Uh, me on outside looking in, I was saying it was a, a dynasty forming. Uh, you know what I mean? But now, like we just just honing in. You know what I'm saying? Like we're not really focused on on really like oh we the dynasty this and third. We just trying to rack up as many wins as many Super Bowls as we can. You know what I mean? Like and enjoying the game while we do it. You have this bombastic Bucks team. And then you have a Chiefs team who very clearly, like you can hear from that sound, and, and Breland is more of a role player for this team. But I mean, right. the confidence is just like a quiet confidence, internally driven, internally motivated. And I think that's what you want to be when you're going into a big game like this. Like I said, I, I just think the one and the opponent and the individual that's a little bit louder always seems to typically seems to be the one that ends up on their back. The reason why that is is because they know they're going to end up on their back. <laughs> and the reason that being so is that they're not going to go down without a fight. And they know that this team that they're about to play punched them in the mouth. Pete, it was a first-round knockout the last time these two teams played. If we want to stick to the prize fight theme, they got knocked out in the first five minutes of this game. And, yes, you can say that – you know, after this game, they didn't lose another game the rest of the season. Well, that's because they didn't play a team as tough as the Chiefs. You can say, well, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in the Super Bowl for a reason. Yeah, because Green Bay pooped the bed when they had an opportunity to win. We all watched that game. They kicked it on fourth down. They had a chance where Rodgers could have ran the ball in for a touchdown. He didn't run it. There's many opportunities. This is a team that's built for pizzazz and shock value, whereas you have a team like the Chiefs that are built for a dynasty and a long run. And you have a guy in Brashad Breeland that – we're not even sure he's going to be on this team next year, and he knows what this team is built for. This team is built for a two- to three- to four-year run when it comes to a dynasty. Well, really, really quick point here. Well, even Breland, and you had Sammy Watkins yesterday, two guys who were due to become UFAs, unrestricted free agents, and they're talking about potentially being here next year. Like right. That's how good things are right now when you talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Like People know not only do they have a really, really great chance at winning this game, but they have a really good chance of winning this game for years to come. And you're even having UFAs who could probably stand to make more money thinking about maybe things are, are just really good in Kansas city. Maybe the grass isn't so greener. And so that's what the bucks have to deal with on Sunday. One guy made his career in Boston. The other one was born in Boston and he's got his number. Also, it's just kind of funny sometimes when we give the guy whose name, the goat makes just really stupid comments. The Run It Back Playoff Show with Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens on the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Second and goal at the three. Mahomes down nine to nothing. Early in the second quarter, Edward Jalair. They throw it left side to Hardman on a wide receiver screen into the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Jet on a short flight. This time on a well-played wide screen left. And the Chiefs are on the board at 14-16 to go, second quarter. Mitch Holt is there, as you can hear him Sunday, starting at 5.30 on the call on 106.5 The Wolf, sister station of 1610 Sports Radio. 5.20 on a winning Wednesday, Pete. You love it. I do love it, man. Get in the spirit. Let the kids have fun with it. Yesterday was, <laughs> was Tyreek Tuesday. Monday was Mahomes Monday. I have no idea what tomorrow is, but I guarantee you I'll find out. There's plenty of tease on 
the Chiefs to, to go with on Thursday. Oh, yeah. You could call it Travis Thursday, Tyron Thursday. A lot of ways to go. And then Friday is the biggest red Friday there is in the history of this town. Turk, Turk Thursday, if you're, if you're digging deep. Yeah, Tommy Townsend t- Thursday. Ooh. That's mine. Triple T. Everybody just go get a long, like, lock of brown hair to wear. Why not? I mean, I would. Pete, we are uh, officially on this theme that this is a officially a prize fight type of match. Right. Um, Heavyweight. Right. And I think when you think of heavyweights, you think of Tom Brady. I don't necessarily think a lot of people think when it comes to heavyweights, they think of Spags. But I think we all know the history. He's a smaller guy, yeah. Well, I mean, just like you think of like the coaches, like a, a lot of times we, we hear, you know, we hear about Mahomes, we hear about Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, sure. and, you know, here's a guy who's played this this quarterback twice in a Super Bowl, and both times he's won, and this is what he had to say about playing Brady. Uh, he's a step ahead of everything. I mean, every every film clip that you put on, you know, he's putting their guys in the right defense. That's always the challenge when you go against what I call a cerebral quarterback. And we know Tom is, is like that. He has total control. Uh, he gets them out there in time to, to change things. We're going to have to be really good on the back end, not to show him things. Or as we say, don't let him read our mail. Because mm. uh, if he can read our mail, he knows exactly what to do. Um, I, got, I tell you what, Susie, the, you know, you can only do as much as your players allow. Um, so when Dan says that, or some of the other players, I, part of that is because you have trust in the guys that you can do something on the sideline and trust that they're going to get it done. Cause that's not always easy. I mean, a lot of coaches myself included, don't like to run anything on game day that you haven't practiced. Sometimes you have to, um, and we may have to do that in this game, but we're going against one of the best. I mean, a guy that can change anything at any time. So he's probably going to be right. We just got to hopefully make a few more plays than they do. And that's exactly Obviously, that is Steve Spagnuolo uh, commenting on Tom Brady um, on how defending Tom Brady can work out for you. Like right. he, that That's the type of mentality that you like to hear from your defensive coordinator because he doesn't, he doesn't you know, give you anything out of the ordinary. He doesn't give you any bulletin board material. He says that he's good. He says he's great. He's going to do things. You just want to get ahead of him a little bit more um, than he gets ahead of you. And... There's obviously something that Spag sees when he plays Brady because it worked in the first game in the first half. And here we are again, Spags, Brady, round three. Right. Spags has been playing and curbing Tom Brady now for what has been a decade. And that's even before Tom has tapered off a little bit. You can tell there are some parts of games now where his arm just isn't there. And that certainly helps in defending him. But even when Tom was in his prime, Spags was finding ways to defeat him in the Super Bowl. And all revolves around getting pressure on Tom Brady, making him uncomfortable, making him throw passes that he doesn't want to throw. And I'm excited to see what kind of look Spags comes up with on Sunday. And you, you'd expect some of that success to continue. I love that line where he says you don't want to let Tom Brady, who's a really, really smart quarterback, read our mail. And I think this leads you naturally to another point. And there's going to be a lot of talk today because Eric Bieniemy spoke yesterday, and I think it's absolutely necessary that we preface this with, look, Eric Bieniemy is getting screwed right now. I, I think we all understand that. I think part of it is the NFL and some of the problems they have in, in finding ways to hire 
minority coaches. I think there's a problem with the system in that you have coaches who really did a poor job. They failed and they're being rewarded in the sense that their team is out earlier. They can go meet in person. Uh, that is only enhanced by what has happened with coronavirus and, and whatnot. And Eric Bieniemy is taking it the right way. He has said that he doesn't want to be the poster boy for this. He wants to be hired on his merit. He deserved a job yesterday. And so I want to make sure we say that before I get into the idea that I think if Spagnolo has another great game defending Brady on this type of stage, you go in there that he is going to be in line for a head coaching job next oh, year. Sure. And and the desire we know is there, right? This it was something that was uh, something he talked about on on New Year's Eve of this year. Uh, certainly, yeah. I mean, look at uh, the, the fire burns uh, in me for that. I had that one opportunity. Things didn't work out, but uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, listen. I'm. I, I want to say this, but I'm really happy with the job I got. <laughs> so I'm good there. But certainly, would love that opportunity. Yeah, would embrace it. Go next to Matt McMullen. Go I think in a perfect world, you didn't want to hear what Matt McMullen had to say there. I, I made, that's fair. I made a mistake in, in making the cut too long. Sorry about that. I, I think in a perfect world, I feel like there's more to it than that. You, you see, you see, uh, Spagnolo and Bienemy, who right. both deserving get jobs at the same time next year. Let the Chiefs be in that precarious position of trying to figure out who are going to be their new coordinators. I think these guys deserve that type of success. Spagnolo. You know, you think about how the defense was in 2018 right. compared to 2019. I mean, what was the theme of that offseason after the Chiefs lost to the Patriots and Brady in that AFC title game? It was, man, if they can just get the defense right, they're going to be a Super Bowl team. And, like, that's easy to say, right? That's easy to say, and, and in a way that's just straight-up fan, wishful thinking, that type of talk. But it was absolutely true. Spagnuolo became really the defensive head coach, which Andy Reid wants. He has done a fantastic job cleaning and figuring it out. Right. He had an opportunity from 2009 to 2011 to be a head coach for the uh, then St. Louis Rams. It did not go well. But he's a changed guy. I think 10 years later, he had that year off before the Chiefs. I think he reinvented himself. He has had tremendous success relying on his leaders and finding different ways to use different guys, building that off of versatility. And, man, I, I think if he has a, a good game Sunday and this Bucks offense that has Tom Brady and a lot of weapons and a running game that's clicking and is playing better than Week 12 and he – solves that problem, I, I think he is going to be in line after a good year next year to be right there in the head coach conversation with the enemy. And, and they're, they're both well, 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 well deserving. Are you kidding me? I love how he drifts back in the pocket, takes it about <laughs> six yards deep, and then drops back to about 19, 20 yards, by probably 15 yards, right foot in the ground, and then flicks that ball, you know, 60 yards down the field and on a dime to Tyreek or something like that. So... He just has a great awareness of the pocket, um, incredible vision of the field. He just he knows exactly when to get rid of the ball. When he's got great poise in the pocket, um, got that nice, sweet little whippy arm that I used to have when I was a little bit younger, and um, he's got the athletic ability to, to extend plays. And um, you know, he's got all the physical tools and he's got all the mental tools. So he's going to be in this game uh, quite a few more times, in my opinion. I thought you were going to say you just wanted to steal the no-look pass from him. 
I love that too. I, I'm not. I mean, that's that, that's more the younger generation that figured out how to do that. I don't know. I, you can't teach an old dog some of those new tricks, but that's definitely a new trick that I wish I could learn. Go ahead. Do you hear it in Tom oh, yeah. Brady? And 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 this is going to sound a little crazy, but I just hear it in every quote of Brady talking about Mahomes. There is this, I think, psyche in him that is like. Yeah, you know, Mahomes is really good, but he has this arm I never had. Or he, you know, he can flick it. When he was asked earlier in the season about Patrick Mahomes, what was his compliment? Yeah, you know, anyone that could throw for 50 touchdowns and win a Super Bowl is a good quarterback by me. Not a lot of people have done that. Right. Brady has done it. There's always a little bit of a jab, in my opinion, in the compliments he gives Mahomes where – He's just trying to remind people that, oh, Mahomes has this otherworldly arm that I never had. He can back up like I can't do. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to almost, in a sense, prepare more. And don't sleep on Brady when he says these types of things because you see him on social media. I got to give it to him. He's got a good social media team. But it he, is good. He knows the messaging that he is saying at every point. And so it is very, very intentional when he is complimenting Patrick Mahomes, that he just wants to remind people that he had mm-hmm. less to work with. He's a smarter quarterback. And mm-hmm. let, like, let's not forget that part of this Brady-Mahomes thing that we've been talking about for a week. We've really seen Tom Brady go from being the poster boy of the NFL, and now he has officially turned himself into Uncle Rico from <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. Throwing the ball over the mountains. That's right. I'll throw a flank stake at somebody's face and knock him off a bike go outside and and do videos or he's maybe he's now. And this is what I kind of envisioned last night as I was, I was going to bed watching that great show called Yellowstone. I just am really into it, Pete, but I'm sitting there and I'm thinking somewhere Tom Brady is turning into shooter McGavin from happy Gilmore, where you remember the scene where shooter McGavin's getting, getting just trounced by Billy Matt by happy Gilmore on the golf course. And he starts trying to do the, the Gilmore drive (laughs) I feel like somewhere Brady's at his mansion in Tampa and he's, and he's trying to do these whipper arm things where he's trying to look like Patrick Mahomes. And he's, he's trying to go over here and throw it behind his back. And he's like, this is what you want to see. And that what I get from this audio is that we know Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. Currently. Right. We know that Tom Brady is going to probably go down as one of the best champions in all of sports. It's, Tiger, it's Jordan, it's Brady. Like, they've got the accolades to prove it. Tom Brady letting his ego and age play a factor in this game against Patrick Mahomes is the best thing that can happen for the Chiefs because this is what happens when people play the Chiefs. They go out and they, you know, they they see Mahomes do something on a drive whether it be a seven-play, two-minute, 45-second drive that ends with a 32-yard touchdown to somebody, and then they think, all right, it's my turn. And it's like, you think you can do these things, but you can't. And when you do that and you let Mahomes and his young talent get you going, you're just going to set yourself up for failure. So when Brady turns into this shooter McGavin slash uncle Rico trying to become (laughs) Patrick Mahomes at the age of 43, it ain't going to end well for you, Tom. I would hope that that Brady, and I would think that he would be smarter than that, but Hey, 
if Mahomes inspires Brady on Sunday and he wants to try a 55-yard sidearm pass, by all means, because that'll be going right into the hands of a Tyron Matthew or Juan Thornhill. Hey, the ego's a powerful thing, and it can take you over. Um, We get to the remember when, and uh, boy, was this sweet, because I feel like when this happened last year, a year ago yesterday, everybody had the same mindset. The Run It Back Playoff Show with Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens on the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. High formation, the sausage. Been a chief for seven years. Handoff, Damian Williams trying to get to the edge. Breaks a tackle, 35, 30. Damian Williams, 20. Stays in bounds. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Kansas City. Damian Williams runs to immortality and will be remembered forever in the Chiefs' kingdom. A 38-yard touchdown run, and the Chiefs lead 30 to 20. Remember when here on... The Run It Back Show, 610 Sports Radio, Pete Sweeney, Dusty Likens. Pete, I know exactly where I was when that happened because I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I grew up in this town my whole life. You did, yeah. I watched all three playoff games that they played last year. And I read the narratives. I heard everything they said. Oh, you they did. come back from behind. They're the best comeback team in the history of the NFL. Don't call it a comeback. And I sat on my buddy's ottoman watching the game. <laughs> And I literally, I sat Indian style with my legs crossed. This is descriptive. I'm dead serious. And when Damian Williams took that ball to the house in his Jordan 1 cleats, I don't know if people remember that, but that's what he was wearing. Yeah. And he held that ball up and then spiked it behind his back. I said, we won a Super Bowl. You knew it. I said, Chiefs Kingdom has won a Super Bowl. And that was the solidification that I think everybody needed because if you remember... San Francisco went forward on fourth down. Frank Clark sacked Garoppolo after he chucked it two-handed in the air. (laughs) They ran the ball for four yards, and you could hear the broadcast. They just need a first down. And then Williams hits that outside run, and it was like everybody in the Chiefs kingdom, all my friends, all these people on social media, it was like, okay, that's it. That's the nail in the coffin. Just a few minutes, game minutes earlier, they were down by 10 points. And you blink. And that's how fast the Chiefs can score. And who who would have thought that Damian Williams would have had the playoff run that he did and has that memory? And now if you're wondering about Damian, his contract is just essentially delayed until next year. So he should be surfacing in the upcoming months here. But for this year's Super Bowl, who will be, in your opinion, their Damian Williams? Who do you think is most likely to be not, name, not necessarily a name of a star, but someone who yeah. has a really strong game for the Chiefs that plays a pivotal role, and maybe we're not talking about enough. Is Nicole Hartman considered a star slash household name because of how flashy he is? I think that fits into this conversation. That's my guess. Okay. Because I've I've been on this, and I know that you know this is kind of something that, that I've said many times, but I just truly believe that he had a Danny Duffy moment. For those of you that don't get that comparison, when James Shields came over to Kansas City and kind of revamped that organization as they got ready to make that World Series back-to-back run, one of his biggest accomplishments, other than leading the path of success in that rotation, 
was really just kind of revamping Danny Duffy's career. And I think that when Nicole Hardman fumbled that ball in the AFC Championship game against Buffalo and gave Buffalo the opportunity to go up 9-0, to and you saw the video where he's on the bench and the jacket's over his face and Mahomes rips the jacket off and says, hey, we're going to go right back to you, man. We're going to get you the ball. We're going to get right back in this. Do not sweat it. That is a point to me in someone's career where you can really make a turn for the better or the worse. And they went right back to Nicole Hardman. And we played the audio earlier in this in this radio program on the Run It Back show, not by accident, on purpose by me. Because I feel like McCole Hardman has gotten a lot of scrutiny. Maybe some of it was well-deserved this year with drops, with fumbles, with miss, you know, missed opportunities. And this is something where I think the leadership of Mahomes and Kelsey, because after he scores that touchdown, what did McCole Hardman do? One of the flashiest players on the team. One of the, one of the most... Colorful guys when it comes to what he wears pregame, what he, what he does pregame, flexes, shows the nice six-pack. And what did he do? He put the ball down. He high-fived. He ran to the sideline and was like, it's all business, man. We got a dynasty to go after. We're going to have to do this. That was his mentality. And here in the Super Bowl, he's going to have another opportunity because everybody likes to cover Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. even though Davis didn't do it very well, and he's going to go to the same mentality this Sunday. Everybody likes to cover Ta- Travis Kelsey. Sammy Watkins will be on the field. I don't know how healthy Sammy Watkins is going to be. But McCole Hardman has a very, very, very big opportunity in this game to continue to go down that road of success where he has turned that corner, whether it be a punt return for a touchdown in the Super Bowl, whether it be one of those plays where McCole Hardman can break through the secondary, get open, and score a 37-plus yard touchdown on a deep play from Patrick Mahomes. But I feel like this is an opportunity where Nicole Hardman can become one of those players in Chiefs kingdom or Chiefs legacies where it's like, okay, this is what we envisioned he could be. Now that all of this adversity and these, you know, troubling times are behind him, he knows his role. He knows for a fact that he has the support of Patrick Mahomes on this team, which is maybe something he already knew that he had, but was it maybe solidified where in your life, you might have been like, oh, I know this guy digs me. I know this guy likes me. But then he came up to you at one point where you had a struggling moment and said, hey, I'm with you all the way. And that can change your your path of success forever. So I think McCole Hardman could be one of those players in this game. I think Hardman is a good one. I listened to Sammy Watkins. I believe spoke yesterday. My days running into each other. But Watkins had said... He's getting closer to 100% before quickly saying he might be 95 or 85%. And as he went on, it, it seemed like the percentage was getting potentially lower. And I, I don't know how I feel about him necessarily being available. We'll see. I'm optimistic. I'm trying to, to think, okay, he might play in this game. But that could mean more opportunity for Hardman as well. I'll give you a few names here quickly. Byron Pringle is someone that comes to mind that nobody really knows about at the national level that could have a good game. I think on the other side of Frank Clark and, and Chris Jones on, on that other side of the line with Alex Okafor, man, I watched Alex Okafor at training camp and I thought that he was going to be a guy for the Chiefs and he's just been littered with injuries and I think this could be a, a game where you can make some money too because he's due to become an unrestricted free agent. But I'm going to use my last opportunity, you probably know where I'm going here because I think it's the last opportunity where and at the national level, I still I still feel that people don't really know who LeJarius Sneed is, and I think that's going to change in this game, and that's why I'm taking my final opportunity for him to be an unsung hero because what's the opposite of that? I think after this game, he'll be like a sung hero in the sense that everybody's going to know him because I, I think that's going to be the impact he has in this game. I, 
I predicted on our playoff show before going into games that he would maybe have the trifecta, which I called an interception, a sack with his new blitz ability, and a forced fumble. And I just feel like there, there, there's a, a, a knack for Sneed where he always finds himself around either the ball or in a position to make the big play. And I'm going to side with the defense because the defense is a little bit lesser known on the Kansas City Chiefs. So Sneed is my pick, but also watch Dusty's Guy Hardman. Also watch Byron Pringle and Alex Okafor. Who was that cat daddy for the for New England that picked off Russ Wilson at the one-yard line? Is that Chung? Butler. Butler, yeah, Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler. That's your Legereus Sneed. Nobody really cared about who Malcolm Butler was. He gets that pick, gets paid, and he becomes one of the best corners in I football. Gotta- I got to imagine, you know, not to, not that you ever want to put yourself in the shoes of a Patriots fan, but I got to imagine at that point, if you're a New England fan, you're going to be like, you were like, we're losing this game, right? With this, this is, this is awful. And then, man, you saw how quickly things can change when when someone overthinks something. And that's where I think this next little topic before we hit a break, before we get you set up for the rest of the day on Six Ten Sports Radio, is that. The Patriots' margin for error was very minimal in that game versus the Seahawks, where I feel like the Seahawks' margin for error was, or I guess it's the other way. Seahawks was very minimal. Patriots was very marginal, right? And in this game, I think it's that way for the Chiefs versus Tampa. I think the Chiefs are okay to make a few mistakes. Like if, let's say that Tyreek has a big drop or a couple drops in this game, kind of like how Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill had a couple drops against Buffalo. They still were able to go on a 38 to six run and blow Buffalo out of that game. Yeah. Tampa Bay can't afford that. If Mike Evans has a bad game, they're done because the reason I look at this is you look at what Buffalo did. Stefan Diggs. Now, granted, they don't have a lot of other guys on that team. Like Tampa Bay has where they have Chris Godwin, uh, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, Antonio Brown, maybe. But the thing is, is that if one Tampa Bay player doesn't have a good game, they aren't going to be necessarily in line for a chance to win this game. Whereas like if Tyreek Hill has five catches for 70, you know, five catches for like 40 yards and zero touchdowns, the chiefs can still win this game because of how much more I think talented they are than Tampa Bay. They got to play perfectly Tampa Bay. They really do. And they've had, I, I believe it's 12 drops in the playoffs. If they have right. the average of that, which would be four drops against the chiefs in key spots. I don't see how they win. Whereas that's the Chiefs now. They they are the new Patriots in a sense where they can afford to make a couple of mistakes. I, I think you still got to play well against this Bucks team. But the Bucks to me, are certainly the squad that has the ultimate pressure to play perfectly on it in this game. Speaking of pressure, there is a lot of pressure on you to listen to 610 Sports so Radio because of what's coming up on Fesco in the morning as they start your day off with just a slew a slew of big names. You're going to want to know who they have on their show like when we come work. back on the Run It Back show here with Pete Sweeney. A slew. Like Let them know. The Run It Back Playoff Show with Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens on the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. One more snap. Mahomes goes to a knee. The trophy stays here. Because the Lamar Hunt Trophy stays anchored in the hearts of everyone who shares Lamar Hunt's vision. The Chiefs' kingdom. 
captures the trophy and it stays here. Yes, the Chiefs are back-to-back -back AFC champions. And the Super Bowl 54 champions are ready to run it back. They are headed to Super Bowl 55 as a road team to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Chiefs win the AFC Championship 38, Buffalo 24. Sorry, Buffalo, you lost. Voice no. of Mitch Holtis. Pete, let the people know what they can see to expect to hear on Fesco in the morning. Yeah, bear with me here. We have a enormous, enormous day on 610 Sports Radio as we're in the middle of Super Bowl week. Coming up on Fesco in the morning, 615, Mark Schlereth will join the guys. 645, general manager Brett Veach. 715, Washington football team head coach Ron Rivera is also part of the Andy Reid tree. 815, Joe Mays. 835 a.m., Mike Matheny. 935 a.m., the kicker Lawrence Tynes will... Switch it to Cody and Gold. What you have to look forward to there is 1.30. The Chiefs will speak, the head coach and the quarterback speak every day. And then what we do is we switch over to the drive at 2.15 p.m. It's an exclusive with uh, Chiefs owner, Clark Hunt. At 3 p.m., they gave my time slot to Mayor Quinton Lucas. Seems about right. I'll be damned if I go back on the drive after that. 4.30 p.m. You probably should. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Theismann. We'll see. We'll see about that. They got to get back in my good graces. At, at six o'clock, I'm back here. That's 12 hours from now. I'll be back on the radio with the great Joe, uh, Joe Binkley, Jay Binkley for Arrowhead Pride Radio. That begins at six o'clock. And then at 7 15 p.m., uh, Jay has Maurice Jones Drew. And then at eight o'clock, Dave Moore, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers color analyst. So, if you want to hear about this upcoming game on Sunday, 610 Sports Radio, certainly your destination here today on Wednesday of Super Bowl week. Something you won't hear on the Sunday's game is the sound of cannons. This was a press release from Tampa Bay as it just sounds like tears flowing into a river. The firing of cannons after being big plays is a tradition that defense that defines what means to be a Buccaneer fan and serves as a signature element of our home game experience at Raymond James Stadium. I'm going to be really upset if you keep doing this. However, we also acknowledge and understand the NFL's position with regards to maintaining its integrity of a neutral site atmosphere. There it is for Super Bowl 55. <laughs> while the cannons may not fire in their typical fashion, we look forward to showcasing parts of our tradition while working with the league's guidelines. What a bunch of idiots. Right. Like, you literally answered your own question in a press release saying we get it. It's supposed to be a neutral site, so we can't show favoritism. Well, Shut up. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know what happened the last time we had fire in a game? What? The Chiefs ran out of fireworks because they put up 54 unanswered. Yeah, that's so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, I feel like cannons are, are not a big deal to me. I I don't know how, as you were saying, I don't know. They how, suck. I don't know how many they would have been playing what are they, anyway. Seven? In this game. They got a Lego <laughs> it set? Fine. It would have been fine to me. First home Super Bowl, but yeah, it'll be it'll be much more neutral. No cannons, cannon sound. How weird would that be? Every time Tyreek Hill scores a touchdown, they fire a cannon, and Bucks fans are like, "Those are ours. They're not for Tyreek." Kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew that you would get so worked up over cannons. They're stupid. I like the Chiefs do a bunch of stuff. Anyways, remember Brett Veach joins Jeff Fesco in the morning. He's just an important person in this Chiefs franchise. Will he wear another cool blazer? I hope so. 
And will you hear cannons on Fesco in the morning? Probably. Fesco, Kling, and Kramer all here today on your winning Wednesday on 610 Sports Radio for Pete Sweeney. I'm Dusty Likens. This is the Run It Back Show. We're back tomorrow, 5 a.m. for you folks here in Kansas City. Be safe, have a good time, and always be easy, Kansas City. The Run It Back Playoff Show with Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens on the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.